Wrestling with Theology is a weekly Bible study that seeks to equip you to wrestle with the theologies that surround us in our everyday life. Through these studies, your faith in Christ will be strengthened through the Scriptures and the Lutheran Confessions. Join Pastor Minton for these next few minutes as he helps you get ready to wrestle with theology. It's time once again for Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, here with you for episode 87 of Wrestling with Theology. Today, we are in the United Center in Chicago, Illinois, for the PWA Television Title Tournament. 20 big matches on this card. Okay, not all of them are big. Some of them are kind of snoozers, but you have those in tournament matches. So we have 21 guys in this tournament. These are the bottom category, the mid-carters, the guys who would just kind of be there for filler and a lot of promotions. So I want to run through some of the seeding here real quick. Number one seed in the tournament is Iceman King Parsons. Uh, great wrestler. I think he could have done a lot better had he actually been picked up from UWF into WCW. He could have done some great things there. But... He wasn't. Uh, number two seed, Dirty White Boy Tony Anthony. Uh, number three, Dirty Dutch Mantell. Number four, Dangerous Doug Gilbert. Number five, Iron Mike Sharp. Uh, number six, Rugged Rod Price. Number seven, Brickhouse Brown. Number eight, Curtis Axel, son of Kurt Henning, grandson of Larry the Axe Henning. Uh, number nine seed, Buzz Sawyer. Number ten seed, Will Ospreay, one of the great high flyers. I think he's still in Ring of Honor, but I haven't been able to watch Ring of Honor in a couple of years. So, but he was uh, one of the rising stars there. Number 11, Sanjay Dutt. Number 12, Reckless Youth. Number 13, Amazing Red, another guy who is great on the independent circuit. Uh, number 14, Lord Zoltan, kind of that mystical guy, kind of a cross between Cactus Jack, Sabu, and Great Muda. Uh, 15, Rick Titan, best known for being the fake Razor Ramon. Uh, 16, Brett Wayne Sawyer. 17, Mance Warner, uh, another great guy from MLW. Started out in 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. I'm, he's one of these guys I really enjoy watching right now. And I'm thinking sometime in the future, either tag-teaming him with Dirty White Boy Tony Anthony or having them feud against each other, who is the best from Bucksnort, Tennessee. Uh, rounding out the bottom seeds, number 18, Moondog Spot, number 19, Moondog Spike, number 20, Flaming Youth, and then number 21, Colorado Kid, Micropata. And some might cringe at this as having a former world heavyweight champion as the absolute bottom seed, but it might work out for Rapata. You'll just have to see how the booking goes. So we get into the first round. We've got five, five matches in the first round. 
starting off with Mance Warner defeating Brett Wayne Sawyer. This is a classic match that just takes a quicker pace because of the 10-minute time limit. Mance Warner gets the pinfall after the running knee lift, the knee pad up, knee pad down. If you don't understand that, uh, look on YouTube for Mance Warner uh, promos, uh, matches, anything. Guarantee you every last one of them talks about knee pad up, knee pad down, and probably Bud Light as well. So we move on into the next one where Moondog Spot, my personal favorite of all the Moondogs, depending, no matter what combination you want to come up with. Moondog Spot defeating Rick Titan in 40 seconds. It was just one where Spot attacked him at the beginning of the match and just overwhelmed him right away. On the other hand, 10 minute time limit, Lord Zoltan defeated Moondog Spike by disqualification at 9 minutes 37 seconds. Zoltan kept Spike off balance for a long time, but Spike simply just got irritated with him, just threw him over the top rope to get the disqualification to have a match end because they were getting close to the time limit. Then you have Amazing Red and Flaming Youth, two high flyers. Amazing Red just outclassed Flaming Youth, uh, pinning him in 7 minutes 11 seconds. Then you have Reckless Youth, the other half of Youth in Action with Flaming Youth, defeating Colorado Kid Micropata in 7 minutes 9 seconds by submission by Sleeper. This was kind of the Sleeper match in the first round as both guys were good, just kind of, all right, one of those booking decisions, how do we end this? So we move on into the second round. As we go further on, we have Buzz Sawyer defeating Curtis Axel in a minute 44. Like the Moondog Spot Rick Titan match, this just began as Sawyer attacking Axel as he gets into the ring, which is a bit odd for a face to have actually start off the match by attacking, but this is Bulldog Buzz Sawyer. I mean, you throw him as a face, he's still going to act all kinds of crazy. And Axel just couldn't get his feet under him. Then you have Brickhouse Brown defeating Will Ospreay. Ospreay basically just misses a couple of high-flying moves that gives Brickhouse an opportunity. Osprey tried to do kind of an air pillman jumping off of the flying clothesline, jumping off the top rope. Brickhouse just kind of tossed him over into the ropes to catch him by the throat, roll him up for the pin. Then you have Rugged Rod Price defeating Sanjay Dutt in 13 minutes, 48 seconds. This one, Price just lived up to his rugged name. He had Dutt many times where he could have. It's one of those classic ones where the guy has him beat, and then he pulls him up by the hair to break up the pinfall count. Price did it like four times during the match. And finally, the referee almost begging him to just pin him after three consecutive pile drivers. Then you have one of my favorite matches from this round of the tournament. Iron Mike Sharp defeating Reckless Youth. And basically, the only way Iron Mike Sharp could ever win a match with anybody booking, whether it was Vince in WWF, whether it was 
Jerry Jarrett and Eddie Marlin in Memphis, or even uh, Bob Geigel in Central States. The only way he ever seemed to win matches was adjusting his armband and knocking his opponent out, which is exactly what he does to Reckless Youth, getting the pinfall at 7 minutes 46 seconds. You know, somebody really ought to check that uh, once in a while, just to see if it's loaded, but that's just me. Then we go to Amazing Red, defeating Dangerous Doug Gilbert by disqualification in 5 minutes 50 seconds. This is one Doug tried to keep up with Red, tried to fight his match in an aerial assault, and finally just gave up on it. Amazing Red threw him out of the ring, and Gilbert came back in with a chair, smashed him over the head, earning the disqualification. Then we get to the top three seeds now. But we have Lord Zoltan beating Dutch Mantell. Just kind of a rugged match between both of them. Like I said, Lord Zoltan's kind of got a little bit of Cactus Jack and Sabu in him. So he could, even though he was outweighed by 30, 40 pounds by Mantell, he still held his own against him and managed to pick up the victory. Then you have Dirty White Boy, the number two seed, picking up the win over Moondog Spot in 8 minutes, 43 seconds. This was just one of those matches where I think the referee just kind of decided... I'm just going to let you guys fight it out. I'm not going to worry about a disqualification here. You guys want to brawl, brawl. Somebody pin somebody else. And that's exactly what happened with Dirty White Boy uh, pinning Moondog Spot in 8 minutes 43 seconds. Then you had number one seed, Iceman King Parsons, against the number 17 seed, Mance Warner. And Parsons wins this match with the butt thump after playing possum with Warner a couple of times to have Warner think he had the match won, but ended up not having it won at all. Parsons was simply just in control the entire time, simply the amount of experience on his side. All right, so that ends up the second round. So now we have the quarterfinals. Four matches that I think would be great matches anywhere in the world at any given time, especially uh, were these to happen in the territory days. And I believe a couple of them, I know a couple of them did happen, whether in Memphis or in world class, but would have been great to have seen you know, all of them. So the first quarterfinal match has Rugged Rod Price defeating Lord Zoltan. Again, another big brawl between these two guys, as Zoltan and Mantell had been. But you have Rugged Rod Price beating Lord Zoltan with a brain buster at 9.36. Then you have Iron Mike Sharp defeating Amazing Red in 6 minutes 49 seconds. Again, loaded armband, but at the after the match, Reckless Youth comes down uh, to get some sort of vengeance on Iron Mike Sharp. But Sharp ends up clocking him again with the loaded armband. Some people just don't learn. Then we move on to Brickhouse Brown defeating Dirty White Boy. I know this one. This match happened several times in Memphis uh, in differing stages, whether singles matches or tag team matches. But Brickhouse gets uh, the pinfall here as Dirty White Boy just misses 
a charge into the corner, hits his shoulder in the ring post, Brickhouse Brown rolls him up for the, vic uh, for the pinfall. Then you have number one seed, Iceman King Parsons, defeating Bulldog Buzz Sawyer in 3 minutes 50 seconds. This one could have been longer. This one could have gone the entire 30-minute time limit if I had allowed it, simply because these two guys could have handled all of it. But then again, one of them's likely to have two more matches after this, so you need a little bit of break in there. Give them a little breather. And this is basically what happens with Parsons. Sawyer uh, gets tangled up in the ropes, coming off of him. Could there be a question of manager tripping the wrong person? You know, can't ever say. But uh, Parsons wins the match three minutes, 50 seconds. Setting up the semifinal matches being number one seed Iceman King Parsons facing off against Iron Mike Sharp. And number six seed Rugged Rod Price facing off against number seven seed Brickhouse Brown. And these two matches... 30-minute time limit, both of them go basically the full distance. Now, granted, just because it's a tournament, the matches go this long, a typical TV title match will only go a 10-15 minute time limit because that's kind of the point of TV. You get it in between the commercial breaks. First matchup in the semifinals, Rugged Rod Price defeats Brickhouse Brown. 24 minutes, 38 seconds. This match was a brawl with both men trying to pull out everything they could. You had both of their tag team partners down uh, in the sidelines at ring sidelines at ringside, uh, giving moral support and maybe a little bit of uh, distractionary purpose there, with Iceman King Parsons coming down for Brickhouse and Dirty White Boy coming down for Rugged Rod Price. But you have Price hitting a superplex on Brickhouse Brown to get the pinfall, 24 minutes, 38 seconds. Then you have the other semifinal, Iceman King Parsons, Iron Mike Sharp. And I'm sure you're expecting me to say Iron Mike Sharp nails Iceman with the loaded armband to get the win. Well, that was Sharp's plan. But... Instead of Brickhouse being down there at ringside, Reckless Youth makes an appearance as Iron Mike Sharp does clock Iceman King Parsons at about the 20-minute mark. But, but Reckless uh, distracts the referee, trying to point out the armband. The referee is more distracted with Reckless and trying to get him away from the ring. Iron Mike Sharp comes after, drags Reckless Youth in the ring. So therefore, since Iron Mike Sharp brought him into the ring, there's no disqualification on uh, Reckless Youth's part. Iceman's not getting disqualified for it. But he picks him up, you know, whips him across the ring, gets ready to hit him with the armband for the third straight time that night. Uh, Reckless uh, uh, ducks it. Comes off the other side, bounces off the middle rope with an acai moonsault into what would basically be considered now, I think they call it a sliced bread now, kind of a standing, twisting tornado cutter. 
Um, I'm still, I've seen it many times in especially NWA Smoky Mountain or Innovate Wrestling now, but I'm still trying to figure out the exact logistics of how it happens. Anyway, uh, Iceman recovers from that. Reckless slides out of the ring. Iceman picks Sharp back up, throws him into the ropes, hits the butt thump, uh, covers him for the pinfall, 23 minutes, 54 seconds. Now we have set up the main event, the television title match. Iceman King Parsons, number one seed. Rugged Rod Price, number six seed. Both men having fought a 20-plus minute match in the previous round. Price having that almost half hour of rest in between as Iceman's just going from one match to the next. But I already have 20 matches on this card. I'm not going to add another one to provide a break in here. So Price tries to take advantage of Parsons' windedness from having just fought a 24-minute match, having just been hit by a, a loaded armband again. And the two battle back and forth. I actually have a very clean fight. Again, as Dirty White Boy comes down to offer moral support for Price, Brickhouse Brown comes down for Iceman King Parsons. Kind of a remix of the semifinal match between Price and Brown. But basically, Brickhouse just stays there, is there just to keep Dirty White Boy out of the match. And so, Iceman King Parsons hits a power slam off of the ropes on Rugged Rod Price to pick up the win and be crowned the television title or champion at 24 minutes, one second. This is one of the few times I see a number one seed really just almost skating through a tournament. I mean, even the NCAA tournament, you don't see number one seeds just skating through. I mean, yeah, they have an easy first couple of games, but I'm one that, yes, okay, they might be the number one seed, they might be the best one, but there might be ways to work around, like getting Reckless Youth involved to help against Iron Mike Sharp, as going to have a feud building between Iron Mike Sharp and Reckless Youth, which might bring in their tag team partners on occasion to kind of build heat for that feud, because, well, again, like I said, Reckless has been, was hit twice with the loaded armband. So that brings plenty of heat into that feud. So you have Iceman King Parsons as your television champion. How long will he hold the title? How great a champion will he be? That's yet to unfold. But I encourage you to keep listening to Wrestling With Theology. You know, not just the pro wrestling America ones for the wrestling cards, but also for the confessional corner, for the digging deeper. Get in there with the theology. And there will be times I might even bring in some of the wrestling stuff in there as we sit there and wrestle with the theology that this world has against what the Bible teaches us that Jesus wants us to know and that God cares about, even apart from and against what the world teaches and believes. But that is my plug for the entire podcast, not just the wrestling options. That you'd be there to hear exactly what it is. That 
life is a struggle against it. It is just an ongoing wrestling match. As we wrestle with the theologies of the world, we wrestle with the feelings of, uh, involved in theology, that we simply look to what is necessary in this life. Just like what is necessary in a wrestling promotion, you need champions, you need guys for them to fight. And you need to make it somewhat enjoyable. And as we get through the tournaments now, and, oh, yeah, I, I still have to figure out a world heavyweight champion, don't I? Well, that's on the next card, September 9th. We'll have the rematch from Lawler and Funk uh, from the world heavyweight tournament. And we'll see what happens with that. But, again, there are so many ways the Lawler-Funk feud can go, and so many ways it did. I was just looking through, uh, coming up with some ideas for gimmick matches to come in the upcoming weeks, especially with some of the feuds like Lawler-Funk, and it reminded me of the Empty Arena uh, match, and one of the earliest ones was Lawler and Funk in the Mid-South Coliseum in 1981. Awesome match. If you have not seen it, YouTube it. I think I might have a link to it on the uh, Wrestling With Theology blog. Uh, look up 1981. Oh, wait, no. I don't have 1981 uploaded yet. So, But I will hopefully soon. Uh, but yeah, look up 1981, Empty Arena, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk. Uh, you should be able to find the full-length match as they just tear apart the Mid-South Coliseum. But... Again, look into that. A lot of things that can happen. A lot of things go on in the booking decisions. But that goes on for next time. But until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton. Wishing you God's richest blessings. Reminding you that everyone is a theologian. Everyone is a wrestler. And everyone wrestles with theology. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments about what you have heard on Wrestling With Theology, send an email to wrestlingwiththeology at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed this podcast, make sure you have subscribed so it will show up automatically on your podcast app. Please also share the podcast so that more may be equipped for Wrestle With Theology.